This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is my co-host, Brian Rinaldi. How you doing, Brian? I'm good, Ed. How are you? Not bad. Can you believe it's the end of the year already? Is it already? Shoot. It is going to be 2017 here in a couple weeks. Yeah, I, I'm, I know that I'm not alone in wishing 2016 like a, well... I don't even know how to how to describe it. Basically, I'm not going to miss 2016. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a rocky year. It's been a, a strange one. Um, looks mm-hmm. like we might have a rocky road ahead of us too, but <laughs> we'll we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a podcast on a different topic. <laughs> yeah, maybe not a technology podcast, but um, yeah, there's that, and then. Uh, you know, even celebrities. There's been a lot of a lot of celebrities passing this year. Like it's kind yep. of strange. Yeah, like re- really big ones too, like Prince and some other ones. So yeah, I know. So, the only good news is it's very possible that 2016 may have given us the best Star Wars in a long time. Yes, I will agree with that. And there's another one. In oh, I, two yeah. days, I think. Yeah, that's so, the one I'm talking about. The reviews I've read so far have been like just because uh, the other one came out last year. This uh, one I'm yeah, talking about in two days. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be fantastic. The reviews I've read said uh, one of them was talking about um, saying that uh, basically it's not at, without like it's not crazy to talk about it in terms of like is it better or as good as empire strike back strikes back which is for star wars fans you know that's like the epitome of the best star wars movie empire strikes back so if you're talking about it in you know being comparable to that then it's got to be damn good yeah yeah i was just telling my wife who's not a star wars fan the other day about how the original movies were the best and then there was these three other things. There were three happened. other movies? I don't remember. There were three incidents that happened. <laughs> three shameful incidents that happened in, yeah. in the 90s. And uh, now we've gotten past that and we're back to really good Star Wars movies again. So I know. I know. Well, I, mean, I watched the, the last one again the other day. I don't usually watch. I'm not like as big a Star Wars geek as I'm, you might think, but... Um, but I was bored and I was like, oh, you know, I haven't, I bought the Blu-ray. I was like, I haven't watched it. So I watched it again. It's, it's a good movie. The last one was a, yeah. it was a really good movie. And, but this one sounds better because it's dark. They even said you might not want to bring your little kids. Oh, you mean Jar Jar is not in this one? <laughs> no, no, no. If he, he is, if he is, he probably gets brutally killed. <laughs> I was thinking they should have uh, should have the trolls from the trolls movie in this one. <laughs> I heard that was good. I didn't see it. <laughs> if you like singing, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of a musical, but no, it was actually good animation and stuff. It was if you're a fan of like 3D animation, even if you're not a big kids movie fan, it's a must see just for the fact that they're able to render 
uh, stuff like felt and all the little fibers and stuff on all the mm. characters and floating through the air and like um, I, I don't know the terminology for it, but kind of like clouding, like fogging up the atmosphere and stuff. It's it's really phenomenal rendering yeah. that they're capable of these days. So it's if you're a nerd for uh, 3D rendering, it's worth a look too. Cool. Uh, yeah, I may check it out. I like kids' movies, even though you know my kids are not little enough anymore. So. Yeah, it, it, I have to say though, at least it's not the Disney singing type. I mean, it's at least mainstream pop music, not made up Disney. Let it go, let it go, let it let it go, <laughs> make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate that movie. I like, I, you know, my kids enjoyed it and they saw it. Even my older one saw it. It was all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried. I said, let it go. We may get a DCMA takedown from. Uh, from Disney on that one. Yeah. But anyway, over to technology stuff. <laughs> oh, is that what this uh, is about? I think so. I, I heard it is a good day to be a C-sharp developer. I heard that too. So I, um, I am a C-sharp developer, so I will say it is a good day. Uh, if anything good came out of 2016, it was Microsoft's uh, efforts on the C-sharp language in .NET. So if you're a C-sharp developer, you have so many options these days. It's unbelievable. You can write code for uh, pretty much any kind of device that's out there. And we're not just talking like mobile responsive web. We're talking um, Xamarin apps with uh, iOS and Android, Windows Phone. <clears throat> Uh, <laughs> uh, you can write Mac. for uh, watch OS's and uh, all kinds of stuff with and uh, Mac OS and yeah, yeah. It is pretty it's, amazing it's, the way they've they've really. I think you know. I I think part of it is <clears throat> the improvements they've made with the you know .NET Core and and things like that, but also in terms of being cross platform, but also. I, I've no, you know, the the image change, how people view Microsoft, um, has also opened up. I think the possibilities of people considering this tool set, whereas before, just the name, just it being labeled with Microsoft, Microsoft would have been a turnoff to a lot of the community. But that's no longer the case. Yeah. So I, I don't have the stats on hand to back this up, but uh, I I remember them being something. Uh, to the effect of uh, Microsoft went from the company with like no open source to the company with the most open source uh, contributions on GitHub in a very short period of time. Yep. It's pretty impressive what they've done. Yeah, and I think that's due to a lot to um, the .NET Core stuff and them just open sourcing the heck out of pretty much everything lately. Uh, their compilers, their languages, their um, MVC platform, which is uh, part of ASP.NET Core now, and um, and all that, the tooling around that is is all open source. So yeah, uh, they've got a lot of activity there now. So let me ask you though, because I mean, obviously we're talking about uh, Kevin Griffin's article on the Teller Developer Network. Which, yes. as you as you know, it's called. It's a good day to be a C sharp developer. Um, but 
even with that article seem to bring out the the haters and they seem to be there seem to be a lot of prominent like you know at least a large group of people who are upset about these things about these changes and don't you know don't like them um what okay. what is your so, take on that so so let's be a little more specific because I, I you know i love the internet but i try to avoid the comment section on some yeah. of these things uh what were some specific gripes that people had uh well you know let's see the the comments here were mostly just that let's see I'm going to jump down here and take a look at them. I remember there was just a lot of them. It, it just like open went on for a while. Bad, blah. Like, no, like it's not open source is bad. It was more like just complaints about C sharp as a language. Um, I think there's been, I don't know if it was in these comments, but lots of complaints about .NET Core and, and this, its support for different APIs and things like that uh, is lagging. Um, I mean, so, yeah, you know, so, .NET Core is um, is in the 1.1 release right now, and it's very early in its entirety. So you know it is a full release; it's not a beta. However, there are many APIs missing uh, from ASP.NET Core, so it is feature full, but it's still not. Uh, a full coverage of the APIs that we have in .NET Framework 4.6 um, in, in the uh, .NET Framework. So, yeah, I can see people's gripes there. There's definitely not a lot of coverage. But with that said, I, I'm looking forward to .NET Core version 2.0. I think that's going to be the major tipping point that pushes us past this uh, mark of well, it's it's good, it's fast, it's new, but there's not enough APIs to build a real full-scale application uh, to the point where it's like, oh, there's you know 98% of the APIs I'm used to using in this. Let's go ahead and build something uh, new and uh, greenfield on it. So I think we're headed there, uh, but it's you know it's baby steps. You got to get there somehow. Yeah, uh, people expect. ASP.NET Core 1.0 to be 100% in parity with .NET Framework 4.6. Um, I might want to question their expertise in software development because that's not how things happen in our world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, I think obviously in anything there's going to be the haters who come out, you know. So well, yeah, there's there's those JavaScript developers, you know. <laughs> well yeah and actually it wasn't kid i don't even know the guy one of the guys who went off brian rinaldi at progress.com <laughs> one of the guys who went off quite a bit was not a javascript developer i think he's it sounded like he was a python or i don't know what anyway oh don't get me started on the python guys Okay. <laughs> Ryan Rinaldi at progress.com. You're 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 out to piss off everybody today. You know, it's you know, we're or, headed into vacation time for the year. You know, a lot of people take uh long vacations in December. And if you want to sit down and write a good angry email, you know, about how we talk trash about Python and JavaScript, send those emails to Brian Rinaldi at progress.com. 
<laughs> All right. So moving on, more .NET. So we, we did actually do a whole week of .NET content, uh, ASP.NET Core specifically. So we did um, solid five days of articles all on around that topic. And another one um, at the end of the week, you and John and Sam, all from our team, obviously, uh, just sat and chatted about the state of ASP.NET Core. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys talked about? Yeah, it's a, a little bit more of the what we were just talking about a moment ago. It's uh, looking forward to ASP.NET Core 2.0 uh, because ASP.NET 2.0 or .NET Core 2.0 is going to bring with it uh, much more API surface. So we're going to have... Um, you're already seeing a little bit of it with 1.1, like uh, reflection coming back and some of those real uh, necessary APIs, but uh, we expect to see uh, much larger coverage um, than what we've seen before. Uh, and there are rumors that there will be some uh, backwards compatibility and stuff like that. So uh, definitely looking forward to ASP.NET Core 2.0. Um, the tooling is getting better, uh, so we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot better tooling with uh, AS with Visual Studio Code for .NET Core. Um, the the command line interface has gotten better, uh, so all around uh, we're just seeing you know those improvements for ASP.NET Core really starting to to get to a point where they're usable uh, for. Uh, enterprise applications, you know, stuff that's got to be maintained over a long period of time. Uh, whereas the first, you know, 1.0 drop of this was more, um, here it is, let's tinker with it, but let's not build anything real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's a, there's a lot of movement going on. And um, so, but I, I guess one of the questions I have is, do you think and this was covered in another article to some degree, but I mean, do you think you're going to see a real jump in adoption both in the .NET community in 2017 or let's say even outside of the current .NET community? Do you think people are going to start considering um, ASP.NET Core as a platform for their server-side yeah. development? So with uh, .NET Core, again, I think 2.0 is going to be that that real tipping point where we start to see adoption pick up. Mm -hmm. And um, as far as new people coming on board, um, I, I've already seen that happen. I think that started to happen when they open sourced it. Uh, mm -hmm. That started to pique people's interest. And we immediately at our user group saw new people, new faces just coming out to see what's this .NET thing about, you know, it's open source now, let me go check it out. So we're seeing some of the OSS people come around and uh, check it out. Um, and I think as it, you know, it keeps showing uh, promise in the area of uh, performance. Um, I, there was some recent benchmarks done that, that put um, .NET Core in the top bracket for speed. Uh, I think people are going to start checking into it for that as well you know people people like performance so if there's a big promise there for some type of extreme performance i think that'll that'll bring people looking uh to see what they're able to do with it and if it holds true then i think they might move to it very cool yeah 
it does it seems like it's it is exciting times if especially if you're already in that ecosystem you know just to watch these changes happen and see your community grow so yeah i mean hololens how can you not be excited about that <laughs> i tried it once uh i was it was interesting i i mean yeah, polarizing I, um, subject man like did, did you like it or not like some people either think it's the greatest thing or it's like eh I, th- <laughs> I mean I only played a stupid game where there these bugs coming out of the wall kind of thing right um, so I didn't play any do anything really um, important I'd say it's far less immersive because of the way that it works than say um, a typical VR headset like I have a Gear VR that I'll use, but because you know the glasses are just don't cover enough surface area of your view, right? Like you can easily, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I feel like that may may have not been the best demo. I've seen that one myself, and I've heard other people that are not unimpressed. It's still an impressive demo, but I think it's. Um, it has the the worst fate with the uh, the field of view, uh, like you said. I think that type of a demo suffers more um, with the field of view problem. Yeah, than, say some something else might. Uh, yeah, I mean, but it was cool and business application where you're sure. you know doing repairs in the field or something um, versus trying to trying to game on it because. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I know that's not gaming, their target. You, you know, you want. You want the whole, you know, you you don't necessarily need your whole environment augmented, but you want you want it to feel like, you know, if you look a little bit to your peripheral vision, you're not gonna miss an incoming enemy or something like that. So yeah. it may not be the best uh, technical demo for it at this point. Yeah, I mean, it was impressive in the sense that it it you know the way that it sensed the environment and. You know, the bugs, it knew where the walls were and the bugs were coming out of the wall, not like mm-hmm. just, um, so granted, I am a, I'm a somewhat of a VR skeptic in general, even though I have a headset, um, I got it, you know, even we've tried to use it and nobody loves it. My kids don't love it. I don't love it. I mean, yeah. it's kind of a novelty item that we're like, okay, once in a while we whip it out and, you know, I mean, I mean. The best thing that we have on it, the thing that our favorite thing is a game where you basically it's like as if you have a basketball hoop attached to your head and you're trying to catch the basketballs and stuff that they're throwing at you. In the I suit. haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> I mean, it's a cheesy, like cheap free freebie game or something like that, and and that, but it just goes to show you, like you know, for all the advances in in that, we have not reached a point I think where we're really found that killer thing that everybody wants to do on there yeah i think the the most impressive demo for the hololens if you get a chance to try this thing is the living room experience uh where you're you're kind of just in a normal living room and you you can put a tv on the wall make it as big as you want um you can decorate the room you can you know put Mm -hmm. characters on a table in front of you and that that was more eye-opening to me i think and not not just for the HoloLens, because I think this is going to be like the first gen type thing where this isn't what the masses are going to get. Um, it won't take off in the form that it's in. Maybe in industry it will, but not in 
consumer markets, it won't. But once this thing is, you know, five, 10 years down the road, that, yeah. that demo there is like, oh, uh, this is this is the future. Like your kids are going to have their the house decorated completely different than the way you do. Uh, and they're going to have their own little virtual widgets all over the place. And unless you're tuned into their their channel, you're not going to see it. You know, yep. this, this is different. Um, it's something, you know, that we're going to have to get used to. It's going to be that get off my lawn moment for a lot of people uh, when this thing is, you know, small enough and uh, robust enough that everybody's got one on their face. Yeah, it'll be interesting. On, on another note, speaking of, instead of talking about the, the future, let's talk a little bit about the past that's kind of where things have finally caught up. Um, and TJ wrote an article, our colleague TJ Van Tol wrote an article about cross-browser HTML5 form validation is finally here. And you may be like, oh, I thought it was here already. Um, yes, but not in Safari, um, which is a big deal. And so it finally hit in Safari, a technology that apparently, op according to TJ, Opera introduced back in 2008, in the first implementation of it. And it's finally taken all this time to, f to have it be essentially cross-browser compatible. Yeah, I mean, it, it, doesn't, it seems like it doesn't matter what platform you're on ever. Uh, and it may just be the platforms I've chosen, but validation has always been just a pain. Like, oh yeah. And it's never been more painful, I think, anywhere than than the web. Right. Well and I think that's why he that's why he mentions how important this is. Like that this is we, we often talk about new APIs and things like that that are important to a niche group of, of developers, right? Um, they're they're important and they they move the web forward, but it's not something that basically everybody has to deal with. But form validation, um, you know, back when I was doing day to day web development, I mean that was a basic, regular task that you had to do all the time, right? So this is the type of API that has the ability to really impact developers, all web developers, right? Just by making it easy to do some sort of form validation on the client side. Um, but it just, up till now, you were left with, okay, well, I can use these APIs in the work in Chrome and the work in Opera and the work in IE uh, slash Edge, but they won't work in Safari at all. So they won't work on, you know, in Safari, obviously on mobile, they won't work in Safari on desktop, and that's still a significant number of people. So I, so then I still have to come to do other client side, like ways of solving this, plus add in the cert typical server side validation that you have to have. And you end up doing multiple implementations of form validation, which one implementation of form validation is not fun. So yeah. <laughs> well, you're, you're always going to have uh, the separation of client side and server side validation. Obviously, yeah. Um, so you, you're not ever, in my opinion, going to get away from that. You can't no. trust anything the client sends you. So you're kind of, that's a known quantity. Um, so in regards to what they've implemented so far, though, I mean, it's got some uh, useful features. Uh, the way it looks like it's implemented to me, um, you can decorate 
an input with certain attributes and, you know, like required and stuff like that. And for the basic stuff, you know, required's an easy one, right? That's a given. Uh, yeah. You, you tick required, it's required. There's not much else, you know, it's, well, can't even say it's that straightforward though, because you may want the empty state to be a certain value. Uh, and that's, you know, it, it, for example, um, if it's a, an integer, zero might be adequate for one application, uh, but not another, right? So even required can get a little gray area to it. Um, but I think, you know, one of, one of the better validation platforms that I've seen uh, for the web was ASP.NET Web Forms. Um, you actually had validation um, uh, components that you put on the page. And, mm. the, and they targeted an input. And that validation component could be uh, a required validator, um, a regex validator. Uh, and you could mix and match those things uh, till your heart's content. And um, that actually worked really well. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how they evolve it if it continues to be just a simple attribute. Um, I saw there was some JavaScript that you can tie into uh, to yeah. extend the capabilities a little bit. Um, I mean, you know, maybe with those, uh, <clears throat> there'll be like Angular 2 validator components or something that get tacked on or uh, whatever to try to make it more robust. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty flexible and it's got a lot of features. I think the thing is here, if you're doing server-side already, right, that's assumed, you want to make the client-side as as easy as possible to implement at least the basic protections, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, this doesn't, this, since you're going to have the server-side part anyway, at least this part, the way this is set up, it's it's pretty easy to add to any form, right? And have basic validation set up on, on all of these things. And, and it has some flexibility and it has some features that you can customize it um, using JavaScript and things like that. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think it's definitely something that has has the ability to really make developers' lives easier in, in a way that a lot of other things haven't. And it's just nice to see it's finally here. Yeah, and it's it's funny to see, um, you know, Safari becoming like the new IE, right? <laughs> it has been over the whole year. It's been you know lagging behind and yeah features and uh, is it going to be like the you know are we let's do a little more prediction like is it going to be the next like IE eight or where everybody's like hating this thing because their pages break in it or are they keeping it up to date enough to be somewhat usable? Um, you know, this, I don't think this API is changing much. I, I don't remember when they, they finalized it, but it's not like it's going to be changing a lot. It was just waiting to be actually implemented. Right. Yeah, I'm speaking of Safari as a whole though. Oh, Safari as a whole. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there has been, uh, of of late, like some hints at progress that you know um, within the team in Apple that Safari will finally implement things that we've 
Long at, wanted them to implement and and uh, is taking a look at things that you know up till now have just been requests but like have not actually even been considered for implementation at, but are implemented in other browsers. So there's been hints that Safari even as as TJ mentions in this article may not stick to only releasing when the OS releases right um, may actually start updating more frequently. So I think. Yes, we're going to hopefully see some movement there. Um, you know, I don't think Safari on desktop is, is important, but it's not, it's not as critical. Um, the, key, the key thing here is, is, is that, you know, we need this movement for Safari on iOS. And a lot of, so a lot of this stuff has to do with mobile. And if Safari lags on, uh, on feature implementation on mobile, it, it, heart, it hurts our ability to do a lot. Um, so I think they are improving that, um, but I don't want to make any predictions because Apple is so opaque. So it's it's really hard <laughs> to make predictions around Apple. Um, you know, you yeah. only glean hints from things that they're doing. You don't ever really know. Yeah, I, you know, as far as browsers are concerned, I'm still kind of stuck with um, with Chrome with no other options. Um, and, and the main kicker for me has been, uh, you know, not just like development tools and stuff, but just as a user, uh, this is the only browser I can take anywhere. This is the only one that exists on all the platforms that if I log into a Mac or I have my Android phone or I have my Windows PC and I pull up my Chrome browser, it knows my passwords that I need to get into stuff. It knows my bookmark history. It knows everything. You know, it's synced all across all the the devices and all the platforms. Yep. And Edge is only available on Windows, and Safari is only available on Mac and iOS. And until some of those guys start reaching across to different platforms, I'm just not touching them. You know, I might pull it up as a development tool to check and see if something's working but for a day-to-day -day use i mean i'm expecting to be able to pull something up and log right into my amazon account and not have to go figure out what the heavily <laughs> encrypted password is that i've right. got my password keeper back at my desk um so you know be interesting yeah. to see what happens with that next year i'm the, i'm the same i i you know i'm exclusively Chrome. Um, but, you know, I think competition in this area could be a good thing if we finally get real competition. And I like, for instance, what Microsoft is doing with Edge, and I've been curious about it, but I have not enough to actually move to it. But, yeah. you know, um, and, you know, Firefox is still, uh, you know, moving forward. And I, I never really use Opera, but um, you know, uh, so it's, it's hard to know what's going on there. The Firefox stuff, I'm a little worried because there's been a lot of departures at, at Mozilla. Um, so I'm a little concerned to see where that goes, but it's hard to know exactly what's going on there. Um, uh, rip yeah. firebug, right? That was another loss. of Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, that was long since replaced by the Firefox developer tools, right? So. Yeah. 
I know. I was actually surprised it took so long. Like, yeah, when I, heard I didn't even know that, it was still around. So the headline was that, that Firebug has been, you know, um, end of life. And I was like, Firebug? Holy cow, people still are using Firebug? Like, Firebug is amazing. It's what started all of these in-browser development tools, but there's they're so prevalent now. I just didn't even know that was still out there. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I remember using it so long ago and I had no idea it was still a thing. But. So we, we pay our respects to Firebug in 2016. Uh, is there any anything in your notebook, uh, Brian, that is going to uh, go the Firebug way in 2017? Oh, I... You want me to predict the death of things next year? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, no? I, I have no, I, I don't want to be in that game. <laughs> so, Brian, I don't, Brian I don't even know, know what would be de- dying. Brian's saying JavaScript will be dead in 2017. Brian Rinaldi at progress.com. Uh, make sure you let it, you know his thoughts, your thoughts, uh, you know, write, write him frequently. So, my, my one prediction for 2017 will be, I think, the momentum around um, performance re- related to mobile and and things like progressive web apps and AMP, which are both Google things, but I think will only gain momentum. I think you know people are realizing the problem with the mobile web nowadays isn't necessarily the features um, that are missing uh, on the browser that compare with I say apps, sometimes it's just a matter of performance that my web app does not perform as well as the native app, and which is why you get a lot of these, uh, you know, native apps that are effectively, a, a, you know, web app in a, you know, pl- plopped into a native app, right? Just because it performs better and people like it better that way. Um, but I think if we could make the mobile web perform um, and get developers to focus on performance in a way that makes that comparable, you'll see these things start to ramp up pretty quickly. I think they already are, but I think in 2017 we'll see it, uh, a lot of momentum around that. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, this is, this is something I may have said last year, and it's probably just wishful thinking, but CSS, I hope and pray that vanilla CSS for the development, um, not, you know, it'll still be in the browser being used, but um, as a, uh, as a firsthand tool of developing um, will die in favor of uh, SAS and maybe less, uh, more SAS than less. Uh, I think we're already seeing um, SAS has a much bigger audience, but, uh, less still hanging in there. Uh, I don't think it's going to die next year, but um, it's it's kind of dwindling a little bit. Mm-hmm. I still hear it mentioned now and then, but hopefully CSS just just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> just don't. It's so easy to get a precompiler running these days. It's built yeah. into most stuff. Um, Angular two has an option for the command line uh, to flip that on and use. Um, use uh sass in that um project that project template so just do it uh if you're still writing css in sass then i mean at least it's a step right baby step you made it 
now start with some variables and and see that life is better. But uh, CSS as a development tool, I, I hope, is dead in 2017. All right. Well, let's see. We'll have next year. We'll revisit this and see if you're right. Yeah, let's do a poll at uh, the end of next year. Are you still using raw vanilla CSS to develop? And uh, if you answer yes to that, you're probably you're probably still doing like COBOL or something. I don't know. <laughs> using CSS in your COBOL? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's called uh, COBOL on Cogs or something like that. It's the Ruby on Rails of COBOL. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great site. You have to search for it. Uh, All right, Ed. Well, uh, so you got any big plans for your for the break? Well, taking uh, vacation. I I'm bad at vacationing, so I've never been able to do this right. I think for the last three years, I've either uh, prepped for job interviews and uh, got up to speed on new technology, or learned some thing that I didn't know before. Well, I hope you're not prepping for job interviews. No, no, no job interviews. It's probably going to be deep diving into Angular and learning the guts of that thing. And oh, that sounds like a really great vacation. I don't know. I just can't. I, <laughs> I can never seem to get away from it. It's like the only time the kids are busy, and I don't have to get them, you know, up for school and get them, you know, into their homework, and they have new toys to play with. Uh, the, the wife has her in-laws or my in-laws here. So she's busy and I'm like, Oh, the house is empty. It's quiet. What do I do? <laughs> and Code. yep. My favorite hobby is still what I do for a living. So I end up just getting to actually do what I want to do. And usually that's learning something new. So, well, I, um, more than likely, over that break, if you want to find me, just uh, get on Xbox Live and hop on Overwatch. So Overwatch, I'll, probably, I'll, have to I'll be there. Yeah. So yeah, we we just got one. I can't say. Oh, they're they're not home. I can say it as loud as I want. The kids have an Xbox 360 or Xbox One under the tree. So, uh, and by kids, I mean me. Nice. But it's well, there. then There's you their on it, but it's. You know, you'll you know, you'll have to get Overwatch and join me. My, my son and I both hop on all the time and play. So we're like, you know, that's that's probably our favorite game right now. I'm hoping to get a few others, but that that one is has been my favorite for months now. Yeah, they've so. got Minecraft as usual. Uh, we're getting them a couple more games, and that's going to be their big hurrah for the season. Cool. All right, Ed. Well, I hope you enjoy the break and, uh, you know, have a happy new year and all that. We'll meet up again after the new year. Yep. We'll hopefully get some shows early in January, probably be uh, mid, mid January before some shows start rolling out again. But um, thanks everybody for listening this year. The show's been doing really successful and, uh, Make sure you share it with your friends and listen while you're traveling. And uh, we'll see you next year with all new interviews. Uh, we already have some big stuff lined up. Uh, and it's going to be an exciting 2017. Awesome. Look forward to it. All right. Happy New Year, guys. See you next year. Bye.